Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is Politics Done Right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. What a week, what a week, what a week. Yes, uh, it seems all the information is there for us to throw the former president in jail. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The question is, do we have some with privileges that others would never see. I don't know. Anyhow, we have a, we have a great show for you today. We're going to cover a lot, but I I want to end with something that you know a few have been giving me a hard time about when I speak about Venezuela. You know, I talked about our hands in Venezuela. I even interviewed the Colombian uh, the Colombian ambassador with regards to El Grupo de Lima, and uh, he. Then, at that time, lied to me. And guess who fessed up? Bolton. John Bolton fessed up. But anyhow, we have a whole lot of other subjects we're going to talk about. Inflation, of course. Uh, Supreme Court, of course. But it's a good show. Check it out. Let's get busy because you know what? We got a lot to talk about. Eric says, it's government spending that caused inflation. So, I mean... Putting more money into people's hands, right, is what a lot of these conservatives want to say caused inflation. So, and in that in that height, they're they're calling it on the government because the government gave money to people and people had money to spend. That it's government faults that the prices automatically increased. All right, we already discussed several times over and over again that in the case of gasoline. And I'm just using gasoline as one example. We could use it for every example, for food, for everything. Uh, now, the way pricing work with these corporations, right, is they, they'll, they'll price whatever people are willing to pay for it. They have the choice of leaving a price uh, the same of not, or dropping the price or raising the price. They have the choice. <coughs> they know that Americans got some money from the government. Americans got that money from the government. Americans could do one of several things, right? They could save that money or they could spend that money. What we found is a lot of people saved that money that they got from the government for a rainy day. 
But that was not good enough for corporate America. <clears throat> corporate America decided that they, because they knew that Americans had money, they were just going to take it away. And how do you take the money away from Americans? In the case of gasoline, remember, there's only one reason to raise prices on gasoline is so that people would buy less of it if you have a tight supply. But as you know right now, you can't find anywhere where you can't find gasoline. There's gasoline all over the place. All over the place. So the only reason for the gasoline prices to go up is because the corporate guys says, we know that people have extra money so they can spend that extra money on gasoline. How do you get that it's the government that's causing inflation when it is the corporate guys who know that people have more money so they are going to increase the price of the product because people are still going to buy it. They're not going to stop buying it. And then worse, you want to blame a government when what you watch is you watch all the corporate guys go on to CNBC and start to say, we are making a killing. These price increases are going directly into our pockets as shareholder buy, share, share buybacks, also as uh, uh, bonuses for the executives, also as higher dividends. What kind of psychology would have one to believe that it's the government causing these high prices as opposed, as opposed to corporate America who has these high prices just because they can. And the only way to mitigate that is to create an, a, a windfall profit tax. In other words, we are going to break a certain amount. After a certain point, we're going to take that money back away from you and give it back to the people you stole it from. It's that simple. That's simple. Now, of course, the best answer is on industries where people don't much have the choice, we should nationalize those industries where it is proven that these corporations will simply increase prices, make your life difficult, prevent you from saving because they can. And as long as we have many people continuing to talk about somehow the government being responsible for inflation while you watch rich corporate guys get rich with bonuses, shareholders get rich with stock buybacks and dividends, and the average American citizen, most of which don't own stocks to earn that dividend, suffer and are unable to save. Folks, it's time for us to stop allowing them to dummify us into believing that it's we the people who are causing the problem and understand who's actually causing the problem. Corporate America. They cause the supply chain problem. They cause the offshoring problem. They cause, the, the, they, they cause all these problems are not government-created problems. They're created by corporate America. All right, the government policy leading to higher prices wipes away 
everyone's savings, period. Can't blame your way out of this one voters will remember in November. I, I wonder, Eric, I gave you the cycle. I gave you the cycle of how I gave you just for gasoline, but I could just as well do it for milk, cheese, etc. But I gave you the cycle of how prices increase. These are prices that increase not because of demand, but because they could. Because they knew there was money in Americans' pocket and they raised the prices as much as they could. That's not government's doing. You, because if you're saying that's government doing that, that's saying government shouldn't put money into the pockets of people who would need it or would do well to save it or whatever, because we need to leave them in the condition that they're in. Only a certain few deserve to have excess revenue. That's what you're saying. If you're saying the average American citizen can't have some extra cash, that's what you're saying. I find it amusing. Not amusing. I, f- I find it really pathetic. But hey, if you can live with yourself on that, what can I say? Dave Smith says, do a search on here with Hunter Biden voicemail. Why would I want to do that? I have no interest in Hunter Biden. Remember what I spoke to you guys about yesterday, folks. Don't allow the right to change the subject. The subject for this election is numero uno is uh, the Supreme, uh, a, a rogue Supreme Court was the second coup attempt as they took away women's right to their own bodies, as they took away environmental access by the EPA, as they took away many other things, and as they plan on giving states the right to overturn an, an, an election by taking that case in North Carolina. So those are the things that we're running on. And also we're running on Republicans refusing to provide the safety net that Americans need, especially in a time when COVID is still active. And we need to prepare for another COVID expansion by stating they are not funding they're not funding mitigate COVID mitigation. Remember that. Don't let them bring up Hunter Biden and, 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 and judges and, and, and bond issues. That's crap. You stick to what is bread and butter for Americans and what affect their lives. Do not allow yourself to be convinced to take up another subject. So therefore, Dave Smith, Hunter Biden voicemail, no interest. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. Anyhow, folks, here's a message from good old Abbott, rather from ERCOT. Please conserve energy today from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. due to extreme heat, driving record demand for power. Raise your thermostat and avoid running major appliances. Third world country! In Panama, I remember when we used to have these kinds of blackouts. I would have never thought coming, becoming an American citizen, I would have to live through that 
in this first world country. But that is what conservative leadership is with their mentality does for you. We don't invest in people. We don't invest in capital that helps. We just try to do the least so that a few can get the most. The first time they got the ability to increase the price of gasoline, even though there was no shortage, they did it. And then they laughed themselves all the way to the bank. And then I got another story for you. Even with this healthcare problem, look at Pfizer in earnings call. Uh, celebrate chance to profit off end of public health. Prevention is key and should be the humane top priority, not lining the pockets, said one observer. The president of Pfizer is out there talking about, hey, with people not want to wear masks anymore, with all, hey, we are going to make a killing. I'm just paraphrasing, of course. But we, we have to be there to educate the government. This is what this big pharma company is saying. Got to educate the government about how to use Paxlovid and all the... If we hadn't mutated the damn virus, my daughter, myself, and my wife would not have been sick. We had two vaccines, two boosters. But of course, if the virus is going to keep changing because people don't knock it out when it should, of course it's going to change and then it screws us all. Lawrence O'Donnell today touched a subject that I've been talking about for over and over and over again. But again, he expresses it in a much more macabre form. Because whereas I looked at it as simply anti-democratic for some to use power, he takes it a little bit further. I want you to listen to this and then let's take it on the other side. But it has to do with the origins of the Constitution and whether we ever really wanted all to have equal rights under the law. Check this out. The founders obsession to avoid all things British in government led them to the creation of the most grotesque institution ever imposed on a so-called democracy, the Electoral College. The only reason to worry about the fairness of the next presidential election is the Electoral College. Without the Electoral College, no problem. The Electoral College is one of the founders' many crimes against democracy. Other crimes against democracy by the founders include two senators per state, not allowing anyone other than a small percentage of white men to vote, and not allowing anyone to vote for United States senators. The founders were experimenters in democracy, not true believers in democracy. They were dabblers in democracy. Many of their obstacles to democracy that they put in the Constitution have been removed. Women are now allowed to vote. Black people are allowed to vote. Everyone now at least has the right to vote, the theoretical right to vote, while Republicans continue to try to make that right more difficult to exercise. But the unmovable roadblock to democracy in our presidential elections is the Electoral College, something that does not exist in any other country on the planet. Republicans have completely given up the hope of ever winning more votes for president than the Democratic candidate. It's been 18 years since the Republican candidate for president won more votes than the Democratic candidate for president. Democratic candidates for president now routinely win millions more votes than the Republican. And so the only hope for the Republican to win, as we saw in 2016, was to somehow win the Electoral College. 
Prior to the year 2000, every winning candidate for president won the most votes and won the Electoral College. And so the Electoral College was mostly just a theoretical factor lurking in the background of presidential campaigns. Now, the Electoral College is everything. Joe Biden won Pennsylvania's 20 electoral votes in the last election. Donald Trump won those 20 electoral votes four years earlier. And now Donald Trump has a plan to win Pennsylvania's electoral votes again. And this time, Donald Trump won't have to win the most votes in Pennsylvania to win Pennsylvania's electoral votes because, as we heard on this program last night from Harvard Law Professor and former Republican Solicitor General Charles Freed, the radical majority on the Supreme Court may be participating in what he called a slow motion coup d'etat. The radical majority on the Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case that could allow state legislatures to choose the electors for the Electoral College, no matter which candidate gets the most votes in that state. Pennsylvania is one of the states where that could happen. And the Republican nominee for governor wants it to happen. The Republican nominee for governor, State Senator Doug Mastriano, was plotting with Rudy Giuliani to try to figure out how to give Donald Trump Pennsylvania's electoral votes last time, even though Joe Biden won the most votes in Pennsylvania. It was legally impossible to do. The Supreme Court might just decide, though, that even though the Pennsylvania legislature has passed a law like all other legislatures delegating their authority to name electors to the voters who choose the electors, through the voting process, that same legislature can then simply decide to seize the power back to name electors at any time without passing a new law. The Supreme Court might give them that power. And if the Republican candidate for governor wins in November in Pennsylvania, he will help them do that. And we may be sitting here in 2024 watching presidential election in Pennsylvania being stolen while it is also being stolen in other swing states with Republican legislatures, and the coup d'etat will be complete and it will be televised. And the day that happens, the United States of America, as we know it, ceases to exist. That is what's on the ballot in November in the state where the United States of America was created. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania was the place where the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. Eleven years later, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Constitution of the United States of America was written and agreed to by the then 13 states. The place where the United States was born may be the place where it dies. Nothing less than that is on the ballot in Pennsylvania in November of this year and in other states that could elect Republican governors and Republican legislatures who are already plotting to steal the next presidential election because the Electoral College allows them to steal it. So as you can see, the GOP win in, the, in state races or federal races, that creates a clear and present danger to our democracy. You know, I've been writing about this for several years now. And it's ironic that just a couple of days ago, I put out a newsletter on the Constitution as well. Look, the reason we had the Powell Manifesto that tries to make people less intelligent is so that they don't understand the genesis of our country. They don't understand. And in a part of the newsletter I wrote the following, I said that we were able to maintain a democracy because we had good people that were serving. 
The problem with the Constitution is it does not protect us against ill-willed people who gain power. What it does allow is if ill-gained people attain power, there are institutional reasons within the Constitution that can be used for them to hold on to power. And that is what the Republicans are doing from packing the Supreme Court as they've done to using the governorship and the electoral college as they can. Again, these are all constitutional things. The constitutional construct was one that allows its own demise, the own demise of a democratic country that they thought, or a democratic republic that they thought they had founded. But then again, is it really not the protection of some, the reason why it was written that way? Ask yourself that question. I just saw something from my good friend, John Garcia. And I want you guys to notice something, right? I, I believe in free enterprise. I want the pizza shop, the grocery store, all these things to be privately owned, if that's the case, right? You can sell, you can charge prices based on competition, etc. I believe in that. I believe that profit margin for that person who works hard. I, I believe in all of that. But I also believe that we can't have a certain sector of this economy that can do what the oil companies are doing and some parts of the food companies are doing. They are simply raising prices because they can and they know that we got some extra cash from the government during the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So they can because they know people have the money. So instead of these people being able to save the extra or get something better with the extra, these people are just taking their money away. To my good friend, John Garcia, he's from Venezuela. And I hope you guys realize that we are able to have conversations, complete disagreement. Eventually, I think John is going to agree with me someday. But, you know, we can disagree and keep talking about it until we can actually say, well, I see what you're saying. John Garcia says something that is important, very important, because it shows that he listened to what I said. And I want to address what John Garcia said. That's, that's my buddy. This is what he said. All right. Uh, uh, he said, that is what uh, he said, energy, food, communications, nationalization, call those strategic goods and services. That's exactly what Chavez did. The results are evident. Let me tell you what happened. Okay. There are two things that happened. And what happened is you have to look at this through non, uh, non-American eyes because what America does, right? Uh, Venezuela is a very rich country. They're full of oil and they have a lot of gold and other minerals. So they, there's a rich country, but the people are very poor. And the reason why are the, the, the people in Venezuela who runs everything and brother Garcia, you know, he's a good guy. I know him personally. He's a good guy, but there are certain things that I don't think my brother sees because he is, he was of the class that had, right? What very few people see is that America has had its tentacles in Venezuela and corporations were taking the lead of America. Let me give an example. 
if we nationalize certain food industries, right? The ones that are critical, as, as, as John Garcia perfectly says, and the oil sector and these other sectors, what you start to get from the private sector, as opposed to saying, let's see how we can reconfigure ourselves into a bifurcated economy, something that we need to do in the United States as well. How can we reconfigure ourselves into a bifurcated economy so that those items that people need that don't need to be profit-based, gasoline and all of that, because we all need it, and then we have the rest of the economy that is laissez-faire, right? If I want to sell motorbikes, I sell it. I do what I need to do, and, I, and it's profit-based, competition-based. That would be fine. But that's not what happened in Venezuela. We got the full-on sabotage, not only by the United States against Venezuela, but by the, the corporate elite in Venezuela who created shortages, right? Okay, government, you want to take care of these criticals? Good. We're going to stop being efficient. We're going to stop doing X, Y, and Z. So they created a shortage. It's just like what we do in America, right? What did they do in order to try to justify high prices? They shut down refineries at all the wrong time. It's, it's all what the private sector does to maximize their monies. There are answers. We just don't follow them. I, I saw some comments that, uh, let's see, the one that stands out, I think it's still Garcia. Because Garcia says that, you know, that the, the plutocracy is now controlled by those guys who own the companies, meaning the socialists who own the companies, et cetera, et cetera. And I always ask the same question, right? They, for for an economic system that is, that is uh, predicated on ripping people off to succeed, it has to find a negative in any other type of system, whatever you call it, whether you call it socialist, bifurcated, I call mine a bifurcated economy, right? You have to find a reason. But I ask you a simple question. What makes you believe that a, a company run by government executives has any less of waste or efficiencies than one run by corporate you know, private corporate guys. There's only one difference. There is another layer of taking, right? In other words, shareholders have to get paid, profits have to be made, executives get their, their bonuses. If you run by the government, you may have bonuses, etc. But you don't have this stuff called stocks, which have to pay to dividends and whatever, to these shareholders. So even if you are a tad bit more inefficient than the private sector, you're ahead. But you generally are not because, again, the private sector have this semblance of efficiency. But it's not true. If you take a look at every time we have a pri the private sector take over pri public transportation, it costs more. Medicare run by private corporations called Medicare Advantage, it costs 20% more. I mean, every time we can do a direct comparison between a service government provides and a service that governments relegates to the private sector to provide, it always turns out that government is less expensive than and more efficient than the private sector. 
And that goes without saying, if you have to pay a dividend, if you have to pay all these things, that, that profit then becomes an expense to the system. It's a lie that we have been indoctrinated with that we have to get out of our system. Every country in Europe that has tried privatizing the rails or the buses or whatever, they ended up paying more, getting less. Because remember, corporations are there to maximize the profit of the shareholders while when run by government. There's one exception to the rule. And let me give you that exception. If I only have part-time services that I need, let me give an example. Let's say in the Northeast where we have to um, clean the roads of ice, right? We're cleaning the roads of ice. It doesn't make sense for us to populate all ourselves with all these trucks and all of that. When you have individuals that can, for the winter season, private companies go ahead and they clean up the streets. Individual private companies clean up the streets. And then in the summer when we don't need them, they go do something else for somebody else. That is more efficient in the long run for the, the, for the government to use the private sector to do that. But when it comes to things like healthcare, gasoline, and all of that, it will always cost more to have the private sector do it. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. As I'm perusing the internet, as I'm perusing, I noticed that it turns out Bolton, in talking about President, President Trump's attempted coup, he wants to soften it. So all and during his interview with Jake Tapper, he's saying things like, no, I, I, don't overreact to what Donald Trump did. Let's remember, quite a few people died as these assassins, as these insurrectionists, as the attempted coors tried to overthrow the government, right? Many of them, we had five or more people die. 
But what he's attempting to do is make sure it is not equated to a coup. He doesn't want us to think of Donald Trump effecting a coup. So in order to absolve Donald uh, Trump of a coup and just let it seem like Donald Q is just doing a little bad thing here or there, he takes responsibility and he says, look, I have attempted to effect coups in, not in America, but in other countries. And when it's asked, other countries? What, what are you talking about? Oh, well, you know, we attempted a coup in Venezuela, but it wasn't very successful. I want you to listen to this. And then I want to, after you listen to this, I'm going to play an interview that I did with the Colombian ambassador during those same times where I asked the ambassador if he was working with the United States in El Grupo de Lima. That was a group of Latin American countries trying to take care of the Venezuelan problem. And he denied to me, the Colombian ambassador, oh, America has nothing to do with, with it. Of course, I asked him about a particular American degenerate foreign policy guy. And it turns out, well, let's go ahead and listen to Bolton first. Fess up. Confess to having attempted a coup. And then we'll take it on the other side. Because the way these, these nasty folks work... It's amazing. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. This is not a new phenomenon, but the president would go to experts, even people who are loyal to him, like Pat Cipollone. If you're the White House counsel in November 2020, you have been loyal to Donald Trump. Uh, get advice, not listen to the advice, not heed to the advice, and keep shopping around until you end up with this group of misfits with uh, like Michael Flynn and Sidney Powell. Um, is he just not capable of, of hearing no? Well, when it comes to advantage, the answer is he doesn't listen to anybody else. But I think this it's also important to understand, while nothing Donald Trump did after the election uh, in connection with uh, the lie about the election fraud, none of it is defensible. None of it is defensible. Uh, it's also a mistake, as some people have said, including on the committee, the commentators, that somehow this was a carefully planned coup d'etat aimed at the Constitution. To be uh, fair, with all due respect, uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but, you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's not what he did. It was just stumbling around from one idea to another Ultimately, he did unleash the rioters at the Capitol. As to that, there's no doubt. You cited your expertise having planned coups. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but... Uh, Successful coups? Well, I wrote about Venezuela in, uh, in the book, and uh, it, it turned out not to be successful. Not that we had all that much to do with it, but I saw what it took for an opposition to try and overturn an illegally elected president, and they failed. The notion that Donald Trump was half as competent as the Venezuelan opposition is laughable. Trump, that Donald Trump was half as competent as the Venezuelans. He says it's laughable. But I tell you what, um, you know, I, I interviewed the Colombian ambassador a few years ago during that time, during when Donald Trump was president. And we knew that the Americans were trying then to do something to overthrow the Venezuelan government. We knew it. It was, there was no doubt in my mind. 
So I interviewed, uh, of course, I had to be, this was the ambassador to, uh, of, from Colombia to the United States. So, of course, I had to be a bit differential. But I want you to listen to this interview, and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side. Because uh, this guy, for all practical purposes, he lied to me because he knew. Check it out, and we'll take it on the other side. I will attest to that. Yes, I'm uh, Given that I'm originally from Central America as well, Panama, uh, I think we kind of share that same history. And by the way, I, I, I could also be considered an honorary Colombian because Panama was once the province sir, of Colombia. Yes, sir. Uh, Bruce Bull took that away from us. <laughs> oh, well, I, did, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring that up about the gun on, on, um, and on the, uh, in front of Colón or not, but I guess since you brought it hey, up. <laughs> but anyway. It was called gunboat diplomacy for something. It was called gunboat diplomacy for a, a, reason. a reason. Anyway, we got, the, uh, we got the canal and you got an ally, but anyhow. Got we got great friends and we have a yeah. Great relation with Panama. Absolutely. So, okay, let's move this on a bit to Venezuela. I don't know where you're going to stand on Venezuela, but I definitely have some issues that I'd like to discuss with you on, on that particularly. First of all, express to me in your own words how you see the Venezuelan situation, not necessarily concentrating on Maduro, but Venezuela as a country. The biggest humanitarian crisis in the world right now, the biggest refugee crisis in the world right now, mm -hmm. the biggest tragedy, economic tragedy probably in the world, mm -hmm. other than North Korea, with continental dimension. For all of you uh, U.S. Uh, listeners of this program, you have your backyard on fire. This is probably the biggest crisis the U.S. Uh, the, the continent has had in its history, humanitarian crisis, and I think uh, what we are working together, the, the, the countries from the Grupo de Lima, which is a Latin American country that right. got together to solve this problem, right. uh, with the U.S., it's a task at hand that needs to be performed because otherwise the U.S., Colombia, and the region can have a crisis like Somalia. Maybe the point of compromise is not requiring Maduro to step down, but requiring organized elections that are that are actually spewed up from the external. Yes. But right now, what we have as a as a concern is uh, Donald Trump has just submitted a budget where he's had asking for a half a billion dollars to support democracy at whatever cost in Venezuela. No, no. And that, is, that would be a concern if you were the president of Venezuela or the president of Colombia, if you heard that there is a superpower putting that kind of money behind uh, having some effect in your country, I think that would create some issues, right? If I were Maduro, we'd be very worried. Yeah. Uh, in order because of that, because he destroyed his country, because he uh, is politically surrounded, and because the only way he can stay in power is with the Cuban thugs that he has around him. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, that for other reasons. And what we are doing as Colombians and as Latin Americans, for the first time in history, is starting the, our diplomacy to create a new scenario for Venezuela. Remember, the Grupo de Lima, the U.S. is not part of the Grupo de Lima. And it was the Grupo de Lima that recognized the Assembly as the only democratic institution left in Venezuela. It was the Grupo de Lima that created the scenario of putting an alternative. Uh, and that's the Latin American countries deciding the future of a country and helping decide the future of a country without the U.S. interference. One so, question. I don't remember his name right now. The envoy that Donald Trump just assigned to uh, Latin America who was once convicted. Andrew Tabrams. Abrams. Has he met with anybody from the Grupo de Lima? Yes, he has met with all of us. I've met him, uh, I met him uh, okay. uh, last week. And that is my concern. What? And as much as the Grupo de Lima is all Todos somos latinoamericanos, all Latin Americans. That 
they would meet, I think it's, it's a bit problematic. Working with the U.S. as partners to get this problem solved, solved diplomatically, hopefully solved peacefully, and hopefully to make Venezuela return to a democratic scenario. I don't think you have seen that happening in Latin America ever. Before, it used to be a coup d'etat. Sometimes from the left, they say, oh, the American invasion. Really? The only country that's right now being invaded is Venezuela by the more than 20,000 Cubans that they have there. Why the only the 20,000 Cubans? There are between doctors, between doctors and, and military personnel. You see how that becomes a problem when you say there are doctors that are Cuban and that's no, no. within the 20,000, right? Oh, yeah. No, 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 because... Yeah. Because they indoctrinate, mm-hmm. uh, because they create. So it's it's it's, it's a well, you call it a, it's a civilian military invasion. But the invasion of the military is absolutely real. We are trying to get Venezuela back on track in a democratic scenario. That's what we're trying. We're trying to do it peacefully through a through a diplomatic blockade and with economic sanctions from the Latin American countries and from the U.S. too. And we hope we'll be successful. I am so happy that you gave this interview. But I mean, uh, uh, would, would you say? And I, I think we can all conclude that what we really are saying here is we would love to have most, if not all, countries, Latin America and beyond, be. Uh, Capitalist democracies. Is that correct? Democracies. Capitalism. Real democracies. Okay. Democracies. Whatever model of economic decision making they decide, well, that's 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 for the people to decide. Mm-hmm. If they decide and from decide and, and, and they that, that, that wanna go this way or the other, that's the decision. Right. That's a decision. That's a decision that they have to take. The problem is when you take that decision away from the hands of the citizens. That's what's happened in Venezuela. That's what is happening uh, in uh, in Nicaragua. Uh, and, and, and those type of decisions, when the powerful government or a, or a president or a head of state takes away the independence of powers, you create that type of uh, supposedly democratic country, but it's just a facade for the Ambassador Francisco Santos, I hope I get a chance to talk to you, maybe, who knows, in a, in a different position later on in life. And I hope that uh, as, as a member of the Grupo de Lima, as you go back, uh, you remember those words, a democracy with whatever economic system they decide that they want to have to ensure that everybody in that country has equal access to success. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I thank you. It's a pleasure speaking have to you. A, you. Have a good day. So that, that interview of, uh, was a few. Now, like I said, Bolton today admits that during that time that I was interviewing the ambassador to Colombia, who had formed together these Latin American countries, a group called El Grupo de Lima, that was supposedly the entire only run by Latin American countries, so that nobody would make the mistake and believe that it was influenced by America wanting to overthrow Maduro, you know, the, the successor to Chavez. And by the way, I'm not a Maduro fan. I was a Chavez fan because of uh, his policies and the success uh, thereof before it was sabotaged by the plutocracy in Venezuela by creating false shortages, etc. But that's, a not, that's for another time. But during that interview, I, I did several things. I asked him uh, if, he was, if it shouldn't be concerning that the United States budgeted half a billion dollars for creating democracy 
in Venezuela and the support of Guaido. That was numero uno. Numero dos, I also asked them, hey, uh, don't you, th- aren't, aren't what you're saying America is really attempting to do is to create capitalist democracies? And if anybody deviates from capitalist democracy, it is a problem? Oh, no, he says. Oh, no, we just want, we just want democracies, but whatever economic system they want in that democracy should be okay. Here's the kicker. That's not true. Name all the countries that he has a problem with Nicaragua, which we malign because it's a leftist government. Uh, Venezuela, which we malign because it's a uh, leftist government. Likely it's going to be also Chile. All these people that have just elected leftist government. When Brazil re-elects Lula, or not re-elects, but put Lula back into power, I imagine it's going to be Oh, we don't like Lula either. All these guys that are saying we are not going to allow an economic system that pilfers, right? Like I said, in the, for those of you who are just coming in now, earlier I mentioned that Venezuela is the richest, one of the richest countries in the world. When you count its natural resources and divide it by the number of people living in the country, it's one of the richest countries in the world. The only thing that is holding back Venezuela, right? Or all the external powers and the corruption. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give Maduro a break. Okay, uh, but what's holding them back is the fight between the capitalists and the democratic socialists, and the people that are left holding the bag, as always, are the people. The thing is, when Chavez started his a uh, revolution, a uh, uh, revolution. What is it called? Boliviano. He started create. He, he started talking because, again, like I said, Venezuela is one of the richest countries on on in, in the area, right? Given its natural resources, and he was going to mon- he was going to monetize his resources in such a manner that his country would have been so rich, right, that they could create their bank they were trying to create the the nation the, the uh, united states of south south america and all that kind of stuff that's a threat to the western countries that that consider all those guys third world they were not going to be allowed n- to leave the particular structure that we that we that we know here which is pilfering, I mean, even here in America, we just pilfer our own a little bit better because we're richer. We took advantage of a sect of people to let them work very hard to build up this country so that another sect can have, I mean, if you understand the concepts of how wealth is created in this capitalist system, you will have to say, oh, Egberto, I understand. Every time you talk about uh, antiseptic slavery, what you're talking about, but that ambassador lied to me when he said America had nothing to do with the attempted overthrow of, of Maduro. We know that they attempted to overthrow Chavez two different times. We know that. We absolutely know that they attempted to overthrow Chavez twice. Even though under Chavez, poverty sunk. But again, the plutocracy in that country would not allow, you know, the, 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 I, like, I like the joke, right? Because even good progressive, good 
progressive Americans right here. Whenever I talk about Venezuela, they get irate because they are they have been taught so badly. Look at how badly Venezuela is. Look at what it's doing to its people. Look at all its people that are migrated to Colombia or coming to the United States. You talk to those Colum- those those Venezuelans who migrated here. They'll they'll talk just like my progressive Americans who hate uh, what the government is doing because it was all a manufactured disaster. And nobody wants a disaster. Nobody wants a disaster. But you ask yourself the question that I even asked the question here in America. To whom does the resources belong? In America, we are rich enough that even as a multi-billionaires who are, uh, Americans don't understand what wealth looks like, right? They don't understand how rich, how rich the rich is in this country, right? Because we're doing fairly well. Even the, the ones that are not doing very well to us, it looks like good money, not understanding the, the actual wealth of the people here. Now, when you are at a different scale, like you're in Venezuela or Nicaragua or these other places, you can actually see, you know, the delta is a lot less. So poverty looks real bad. But it is no different. We don't control the natural resources on our federal lands. The mining companies do, and then their profits don't go to the average American citizen. They doesn't even go to pay a hell of a lot of taxes on it. So they're digging up the land. They're polluting the land. They're doing all these things with the land. And just a few people profit from it. And then later on, they always talk about, oh, how are we going to pay for it? People, we have to be very cognizant of how things work. So, I mean... This went from, from, uh, from Bolton talking about admitting, fessing up to the coup, uh, attempted coup in Venezuela, to me representing an interview that I did with the Ambassador Santos from Colombia a few uh, year, couple years ago uh, when they were attempting to overthrow the government with El Grupo de Lima tool. Now trying to express it in a form that all of us understand, even here in America. And, you know, we're getting there. Our, the, the pilfer is getting so bad in America now because, you know, there's never enough for that capitalist class. There is never enough. When they talk about growth, 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 they want to grow at 10%, 15%, 20% every year. Not, not admitting to you that you cannot grow at that rate that few of you that grow at that rate, that is taken away from everybody else. And if you're growing at that rate, everybody else is growing at a lower rate. And those disparities eventually create friction. And those frictions are manifested in sort of what we saw here. So those of you who listen to politics done right, know one thing. I make sure to involve all sides because the reality is we are all on the same side. They'd like you to believe that all those insurrectionists are bad folks, right? And the good ones knew not to create an insurrection. But I have one caveat for you guys. Don't make the insurrectionists your enemies. They were snowed. You listen to that. You listen to what we heard today in the January 6th hearings. What you heard 
was that poor, scared man who invaded the capital as well. But he just thought he was doing what he needed to do. All, all the prejudices and everything that they taught this guy, it all emerged and he, and he became an insurrectionist. And then those of us who knew better, we are ready to attack that insurrectionist, that lowly guy. All of those four or five or 800 people that are going to go to jail because they were insurrectionists. I don't want, I don't hate those guys. They are not the enemy. The enemy is the system. The enemy is the system that put the hate in people's heart. The enemy is the system that ensures, that ensures they hate you, you hate them, and the other hate the other. Because that's the only way a system that supports the wealthy and rich supports a few. The only way we can stand for that is if we hate each other and fight among each other. If I could get that inculcated into people's minds, we would get together. You know my phrase, we'll unite Appalachia, the ghettos and the barrios. It's a stereotype, but you get what I mean. All the same problems in different hues. All the same problems in different hues that need solving. But we can't solve them. Because those few on the top that controls our media, those few on the top that controls just about every part of our life, we have them keeping us fighting each other instead of fighting whom needs to be fought, which is just a small, a small segment of society. So folks, let's, let's realize, uh, realize that that attack or that attempted coup that failed on Venezuela is an attempted coup that continues over and over and over again. And it's, it, while it's an attempted coup in Venezuela, it's a continuum. It's a coup of continuity of the pilfer of Americans right here in the United States. Let's, so let's remember that. If you like what you're seeing, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, if, you're on, if you are on YouTube, I ask you so kindly, give me a thumbs up. If you are on, on, uh, on Facebook, give me a like. If you're on Twitch, do what you can. If you are on Twitter, please remember to just go ahead and follow Egberto Willies on Twitter. That again is Egberto Willies on Twitter. Please tune in every day. Every day at 3 p.m. Central. Is the official Politics Done Right show every day at 3 p.m. Central. You get the full Politics Done Right show. Please don't forget to set your timers because we're going to have this on the show tomorrow and many other things. And if drop me a line, let me know uh, if there are any questions you want me to answer, ask, or whatever. We'll talk about it. But give me that thumbs up. Give me that like. Make sure that this algorithm continue to move. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get 
any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all Central Time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage.